This is the fourth time we've had him here, and we're just so excited to have him. Bob, just come up and do what you do, okay? Let's welcome Bob. Stand up and welcome him. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, good. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. So fun to be here with you guys. So fun. Oh, man, I'm so excited. You know, last... Remember I told you about the ugly, ugly prayer this morning? I prayed ugly, you know? That ugly praying was like, because I was, last week we, had, we took this step of faith um, to go in this, in this theater and I um, had to sign a contract and pay money, you know, that's a lot. Like, so um, a, just a couple hours after I signed the contracts, I had a pastor text me and said, hey, you know, my board heard about what you're doing in your region, we wanna sew into it and, and he sent us a check. He didn't know how much the difference between the two theaters was. It was exactly the amount that we needed, which is great. And I'm like, Lord, you knew the amount. Couldn't you have made it more? But you know, that's, all right. that's my, my faith growing. <laughs> that's when you get what you want. You're like, so thankful. And I have to develop faith for more, right? But the Lord told me, he said, you just step out of faith. I'll, I'll, I'll pay for it every time. So I'm believing that, that the Lord spoke to you guys. And I know he spoke to, to, to Van. And thank you so much. So just, I'm a, I'm a little bit overwhelmed. I'm a little bit freaked out. I want to text my wife, like, oh, honey, we didn't make a mistake. <laughs> but I still don't know yet. <laughs> I still don't know if it's a mistake or not, but if it is, it's a big one. <laughs> if you're going to fail, fail big. <laughs> so, yes. Um, yeah, I have a lot. My heart's full. Um, I really want to prophesy to some people, though. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll take off these glasses because I don't need to look at that. I need to look at you. And I'm still getting used to those. I won't say they're bifocals, but they are <laughs> multi-purpose. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I need that John G. Lake faith. That's what I need, man. You know what I mean? Where your, 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 uh, your vision gets better as you get older. It's a kinda, uh, so let's do this. It worked out pretty good, uh, Prof. Sign today. I didn't, ex- I didn't expect to, but... Uh, is that, is, was it Oliver? What was it? What was Orlando? Are they here? Or is Orlando here? No, it's sort of build faith. I, I, they're in the other room? Okay. Well, I, I'm just going to tell a little testimony from it because I was even amazed. Like sometimes I say stuff, I'm like, I said that? That's crazy. But you remember I said something to him about, uh, you know, your, over, your course load and you might be feel overwhelmed, but don't be overwhelmed because you're going to have a really writing gift and you're going to write legislature, legislation. Remember that? Did, he, did that just happen today? He changed his courses before church or in church? Before church. He was over, overwhelmed with his course load. He went and he changed his course to take a writing legislation course. I almost don't even want to like prophesy now because like I can't do it better than that. It's like, forget it. Just remember that one. That was really good. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, I can still love people well and, and you know, even if it's, it's not really about the accuracy of your, the, the word, it's the accuracy of your heart, but I still geek out about it when it's like that. Cause I'm like, what? Uh, really? Are you sure? I still want to ask like, are you sure I wasn't wrong about something there? <laughs> um, there's a couple, um, they were in the back. I saw you before. Where did you go? Oh yeah. So there's a, there's a dude with crazy pants on the left there. Well, who's the person with the crazy pants? Stand up. Yeah, that's, what, yeah, what's your name? Israel. Oh, I can't, I can't see that far. It's, it's not my, my sight. It's the darkness back there. Israel is your name? Awesome. Oh, man, you're awesome. How old are you? 
Say it again. 15. Everybody say hi, Israel. You are crazy creative, like crazy creative, almost like crazy creative. <laughs> it's almost like you can't figure out what you want to do with your creativity because you could sing, you can dance, you can draw, you can write, you can all that. And I just feel like the Lord's like, just do it all because as you grow in it all, it's kind of like a bullseye. You know, you look at the target and you need to be able to hit all those points on the, on the bull. You'll, you'll find the bullseye eventually, but you need all this other stuff. You're still hitting the target with all of it. That's what God wants you to know. You're still hitting the target, but there's a sweet spot and it's something that hasn't even developed yet. And it's sort of a, a combination of the three. But there is a, 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 even a singing, acting, dancing gift in you. And I feel like there's a musical theater gift that's gonna come out of you too. And I just feel particularly... Um, the creativity around dance and choreography is something that's going to develop in the future and that you're going to have even new creative steps that God gives you. The other thing is I feel like you've gone through a season of time where you've had to figure out who are your true friends, who are your new friends. And I feel like the Lord's like, you know, some of those people weren't your true friends, so they can't be your new friends. And God's bringing some new friends into your life that will be true friends. And you've made some conscious decisions to um, not let some people move into your next season of life. Isn't that a nice way I said that? You cut some people down. You cut some people off. You got pruned. You pruned people. Uh, you decided that I'm going to go after God and the people that want to go after God can follow me, but I'm going to follow God and they're not going to drag me down. And that's a good thing that God did in your life. And God is about to open some doors for you. And I feel like there's... Um, I feel like there's like a creative internship that's gonna open up for you where you'll actually be able to study under people that are at a much higher level than you thought would be possible and it's gonna bring your creativity to a new level. So we just bless you, Israel, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I like you, so cool, cool. Oh, there's a young lady, I saw you worshiping this morning too. You have glasses, you have a dress on. Yeah, can you stand up? What's your name? Jennifer. Jennifer? Jennifer, everybody say hi, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Jennifer, oh my goodness. I feel like the Lord wants you to know um, how much you make him happy. He wants you to know how happy he was even before you were born. Like he expected you to be born. You weren't an accident. You were planned and you were partied about. He wants you to know that. And he wants you to know too that he planned out your steps, even though it was like, um, it looked like it was by accident. It was by God's plan and God's purpose where you are in your life and the people that are around you. And I feel like this next season, God wants you to know too that there is a, um, there's a high level academic gift on you that hasn't yet been able to express itself, but you're not finished with your education and your preparation that God has for you. And you're going to help people get education that have challenges in their learning. And you're gonna help people that have challenges in their learning to overcome their learning challenges. You're gonna help people that have um, challenges in their, even their comprehension and their language to overcome their comprehension and their language. And I feel like the Lord wants you to know too that he's putting his hand 
on you for languages in this next season. And I feel like the Lord is going to even help you to learn new languages. And as you learn new languages, there's uh, even as you pray in the spirit and, uh, and, and I feel like the Lord has recently opened up your spiritual prayer language to you that it's a sign that God is opening up other languages to you as well. And so we just bless you. And I feel like the Lord um, is gonna do something this next season. There's a scripture in Romans 8, it says that, um, that he gives us a spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And I feel like the Lord is saying that there's um, a spirit of adoption on you that is gonna, going to bring spiritual mothers and fathers around you in this next season, but you are going to help people who feel orphaned, who feel like they don't fit, who feel like they don't belong. You're gonna help them to know that their father planned them and their father, uh, their father partied over them when they were born. And, and you're going to, I, I, I literally see almost like, you know how they have gender reveal parties when people are born? I feel like you're gonna throw parties for people when they get adopted. You're gonna throw parties for people when they know they found their family. And so, Lord, yeah, we just, in fact, I think we should say this over her three times, the word party. Ready, one, two, three. Party, party, party. So go ahead and be a party girl because that's what God sees you as, all right? God bless you. So sweet. So good. Um, oh, this is kind of a bonus too. Can you put your hands out? Because as soon as I walked away, closed my eyes and walked away, I saw your hands hit the keyboard. I feel like there's a, a musical gift in you. And did you start playing the keyboard recently? Have you ever played the keyboard? You should really explore it because I really feel like there's a musical gift in you that God is really gonna develop and he's gonna, you're gonna love it, okay? All right, bless you, good girl, awesome. And that was cool, all right. Let's see, uh, any more targets in here? I wish I was one of those guys that like sees lights over people's heads. You probably do that, right? Oh, I see a light over your head. I don't, I just get distracted by shiny objects. <laughs> Seriously. It's like, oh, there's a, there's a guy in the back with glasses on his head. That distracted me. Can you stand up, buddy? There you go. See, you had to wear something shiny. <laughs> see, that's how I do it, Micah. I don't know how you seers do it, but <laughs> us people with ADD, we just go with the flow here. So <laughs> what's your name, sir? Scott? Scott. Hey, everybody say, hey, Scott. Um, Scott, I just hear the Lord say, you're going to have the time of your life, the time of your life. Uh, I just feel like the Lord says, this is not like, uh, uh, and this is cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's not re retirement, it's refirement. But I just feel like the Lord is saying, like, you're going to just enjoy this season of your life. And <laughs> oh, why do I have these things come to my head? And I just say them because my wife's not here to stop me. That's why. But... <laughs> Now, I see you have a very nice hairstyle there, but I just felt like the Lord says, like, I'm going to blow your hair back in this next season. And I, I don't know why. It's, it's almost like I see you, you almost are like uh, um, this person that just loves to be in the wind. And God wants you to know that um, there's no headwind that's going to slow you down, but actually you're going to be in, a, in the free open air, cutting through the wind. And I feel like this has to do with um, some things that God is, has done to bring restoration to you. There was a time of injustice, 
that God restored you from. It was a time of injustice that God basically took the enemy to court and said, now you gotta pay back sevenfold, but you're gonna be a person that helps people get payback for what the thief stole in, in their life. In fact, I feel like God's gonna do that in your family. This is a time where there's some restoration of family members and family relationships um, that's going to take place, and God's going to um, bring some people back into the Father's house that have left the Father's house, back into relationship with the Father that have left relationship with the Father. And God wants you to know this is gonna be the time of your life. Um, this is a time I feel like even that the Lord has like another space for you that you will go and come and go and come and go and come. And it's, I feel like the Lord wants you to know it's like a family retreat center that he's preparing for you where family will be restored and family will be rebuilt and family will be reunited uh, to the Father's heart. So we just bless you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Scott, for letting me um, bother you. <laughs> Thanks for letting me bother you. <laughs> awesome. Um, Where's that worship leader girl? Where is she? By the way, wasn't that worship awesome tonight? So good. I was like, I walked in and I'm like, what, what is this? This is not your grandmother's vineyard. I'm like, I'm like, I mean, I even thought I might need some, I thought I might need some earplugs for a second. You're like, like you remember the vineyard. Isn't he beautiful? Yeah, all that stuff, right? No. Tonight was, it was like, live, 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 live. <laughs> this is not your grandmother's vineyard. I'm just saying, it is still. You girl, oh my goodness, stop where you are because I don't want you to come any closer to me. You're too anointed. No, I'm just saying. What a gift, what a gift, what a gift, what a gift. Um, yeah, uh, I just feel like the Lord's, you know, wants you to know your, your, um, your tongue is a pen of a ready writer. And so you're gonna actually write songs as you sing. And I just feel like there's even some songs that you have seeds for that came in prophetic form uh, on, and on the fly. And you're not sure like, oh, can they really be songs? But they are, because your tongue is a pen of a ready writer. So prophetic songs are gonna become um, almost like, and I, here's the sound I hear out of you. And it's not, it's, it's funny because I love all um, styles of music. I love gospel. I love Latino. I love all multicultural worship. But I just feel like the Lord said, there's a, a hymn writer in you. There's an old soul hymn writer in you. And I really feel like some of your songs will actually sound like throwbacks. And you're going to feel like, why did I? Don't, don't think you sound old because you're so cool and hip that you're going to make Old, you're gonna make old soul, new soul. And I feel like there's a new soul sound that's gonna to start to come out of you. There's a new soul sound. And I feel like there's really even some of the roots of your upbringing that are gonna to start to come into your music. Soul music is gonna to start to come out of you. And I, I feel like there's a deep soul that you've already developed in you and your heart with God. But it's gonna develop in the prophetic um, song of the Lord that you take into the secret place and then bring the, the soul out of it and I feel like it's a new um, sound of hymns from the soul that is actually going to bring um, cultures together. And, um, and I know you told me before the service, because I gave a word about a songwriting collective, so I want you to know what I know. This morning I gave a song, word about it, and he said that's happening, and you have an EP that's coming out or something. And that's super cool. But this isn't about necessarily even the church. There's the God has for you, and it's okay for you to follow sort of 
your sound and add it to what's going on because you're part of the family, but I really feel like the Lord is going to, um, there's just like a solo thing that comes out of your soul that God has, and it might even be stuff that might, might not even be singable for a congregation singing, but you need to sing it because it needs to be said, and it's gonna, it's gonna be a sound of soul music that's gonna heal people's souls. Yeah, I like that, yeah. So, all right, so. I wanted to say something we could declare over her. Let's just say soul three times. One, two, three. Soul, 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 soul. You gotta have it, soul. That's good, good. All right, um, enough of that, enough of that for now. We'll, we'll see what we'll do later. Um, go with me to Isaiah 49. Today I talked about one of my life verses. It was Galatians 4, 4, the fullness of time. And this is my other life verse. Actually, it's, more of a ministry verse. Both of these passages God gave me about 20 years ago. They were my 20-year words. And um, Isaiah 49 was the, the passage that God gave me when I say he, he made me go back to New England. That's what I used to say to him because I, I graduated from college and went to, into youth ministry in Massachusetts and then Connecticut. And I was there for eight years and I tried to escape. Went back down to the Philadelphia area, pastored. And that lasted about 18 months. And then God sent me back to New England. And I said, God, why are you sending me back to New England? And he said, read Isaiah 49. It was one of the first times they ever said that to me. And I didn't know what the scripture was. But I want to read to you the end of it. Funny thing happened about five years ago. The Lord said, you're going into a season of transition. And it's about the next season, the next 20 years that I have for you. And it's about what I wanna do in the region. And for the last 20 years, I've been in the region, but I've done most of my ministry outside of the region, 95% of my ministry outside of where I lived. And I happen to live in a not cheap area. So everywhere I go, I look at real estate. I've looked at real estate here when I've been here before, because I would look at real estate everywhere, say, God, can I please move somewhere where the taxes are lower and the real estate's lower and the people are nicer? <laughs> Because up there, they don't look at you in the eye. They just, they don't, they, they're, it's like I tell people when I go down south, you guys are sweet because you drink sweet tea, and we drink our tea dark and bitter, like life is. <laughs> in the north, it's dark and bitter up there. And so, uh, but we're, we're, we're on a, we are on a plan to make uh, New England smile again. That's what my wife and I, it's our plan. Make New England smile again. You guys can work on making America great. We just want our people to smile. <laughs> so, um, and I, I um, the Lord told me, you know, there's a sign. I was actually, my car broke down. I was driving an old beater car. I bought it for my daughter for college and she didn't like it. So I had to drive it. I had punished myself. I drove it for five years, this 10 year old SUV. And so uh, it was time to finally, my daughter graduated from college. I, chose as my punishment to drive the old car until my daughter graduated from college. And, um, and so it's fine. My car mostly sits at the airport anyway. So I, uh, I was time, it was time to get a new car. And um, I felt like the Lord said, don't get new tags. Or don't, don't trade your tags and don't transfer your tags. Get new tags. Um, I'm like, from the dealer? And he's like, yeah, because it's going to be prophetic. I'm like, nah. You know when you, you think God talks to you and you're not sure? And I'm like, well, maybe. Let's see if I'm right or you're right or if I'm even hearing you or if it's me. And so I got the car and I didn't transfer my tags. And I got these new tags. And the tag number's super random. Just a super random number, AK44495. And, and uh, when I get the tags, I'm like, how could this be prophetic? And then I'm like, AK, that's the name of my, 
family members. My daughters are April and Abby, and my wife's name's Kimberly. So it was really God saying, hey, your family's, it's gonna be a great time for family in this next season. And then it was 4-4, that's Galatians 4-4, when the fullness of time came, God sent his son into the world. And Isaiah 49, 4-9. And then the five, well, I just figured that's a good number for favor and grace, and I'm gonna have all that kind of stuff. So it was prophetic, and even if it's not, I made it up, and it makes me feel good. So you're like, well, how do you know if God talks to you through numbers and isn't that, you know, fortune cookie stuff? I'm like, well, you know, if it's relationship, it's really not. Like, I'm not trying to create numbers and make them say something. I'm just saying, like, this is just my relationship with God. I'm not telling you you have to try to duplicate that. Please don't, in fact. Don't go out and tell your wife, God gave me this number, now we have to buy a car. <laughs> At least if you do, don't use me as an example, all right? <laughs> all right, that, that, that was pretty funny anyway. All right, Isaiah 49. I don't know, I'm just rambling here. Let's go to Isaiah 49. Let's go to verse number... Um, let me go to the end of the chapter... Okay, here we go. Verse number, verse number eight. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. In the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land, to reassign its desolate inheritances and say to the captives, come out, those in darkness, be Free in the time of my favor, in the day of salvation. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We have to get back to what the original intent of the scripture is. Sometimes we're really good as sort of classical Pentecostal charismatics. We want revelation about the word, and the revelation of the word is the word Jesus. This is about Jesus. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. Who was the answer? It was the word that became flesh. Jesus stood up and said, I declare to you, it is the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was declaring, God has come. The word has become flesh. The Messiah is here. This is the time of favor. They would have known. That's why they were upset. That's why they tried to throw him off a cliff. Because when he said, I proclaim, this is the acceptable year of the Lord's favor, and then he sits down and he says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing today, and they got angry, it was because he was saying, I am the year of the Lord's favor. This is the day of salvation. The Messiah has come. So he knew exactly what he was doing, and this is what Isaiah is prophesying. He's prophesying that whenever Jesus shows up, three things will happen. What will happen? I will make you to be a covenant for the people for three things, to restore the land, to reassign desolate inheritances, and, and release the captives. The good, three good R's. There's a good sermon right there. Restore the land. That means that whenever Jesus came, broken stuff got fixed. To reassign desolate inheritances, it's, a, it's really sharp language, but it basically means there are things that God paid for that were never acquired by his people, so they get reassigned to someone else, the Gentiles, reassigned a desolate inheritances because the nation of Israel didn't claim some of the inheritance, it was reassigned, which means there are things when he shows up that were lost that get found. 
And then it says that I will release the captives. There are things that are bound that get free. That's what happened when Jesus showed up. But what we see is that Isaiah is actually creating this whole prophetic word around his whole story. And so Isaiah is telling his story, and then he prophesies, but in the time of favor, I will answer you. In the day of salvation, I will help you, and I will make you to be a covenant for the people. And this is what the Lord told me. I'm going to send you there to that region to restore the land, to reassign desolate inheritances, to say to the captives, come out, those in darkness, be free. And that is not a calling specifically to me, but it's for you because when you step into the place that God has destined you to be, broken stuff gets fixed, lofts gets bound and people things that are bound get set free there are things that God has called you to restore what does it mean to restore the land it just means that there are things that have fallen into entropy into brokenness they have fallen into into disrepair and that when you step into your place you're called to bring renewal to those things to restore the land to reassign desolate inheritances there are places that never stepped into the fullness of what they're called to be. I actually discovered this. I was uh, went moved to New Hampshire from Pennsylvania. He, God didn't just send me to New England. He sent me to northern New England. If you're from the north, you know northern New England is a totally different animal. New Hampshire, their state slogan is live free or die. <laughs> so try to harness those people, right? So I was praying about the scripture one morning. I was living in New Hampshire, which I call the wilderness. I'm sorry. <laughs> shouldn't do that stuff and I said Lord what is a desolate inheritance he said let's take a drive I ended up driving about a half an hour from where I lived and I ended up in this little downtown area now you have to understand up north and probably some places around here but particularly in the, in New England where they started towns and the, the nation started they would first go into an area and they would um, have a town green they called it and on that town green they would build a church building which was a community building and so I walked into, um, I, I went to this little town, and there was this town green, and there was a little white church, had a date on there, it was like 1690s it was built, right? Which is long, it was, that's, that's a long time ago for us, but you go to Europe and their buildings are older. But they make things out of stone, we make them out of wood, so ours last longer, relatively, you know? So I, I was wondering why I was in this town, and across the street from the church, and by the way, the church it was a really nice church. It was welcoming to everybody. It had a rainbow in front of it. And, and they were even welcoming pets because the next week they were advertising the blessing of the pets. Bring your pets to this unit. You know, it was a congregational Unitarian church. And everybody was welcome, which is fine. And so I went to the library and I happened to um, look up the town charter. This was the town of Chester, New Hampshire, founded somewhere in the mid-1600s. And here's what it said. We, the people of Chester, New Hampshire, are founding this town for the worship and the glorification of God. The first building we will build is a church building in which we will assemble to worship and glorify God. And I didn't have to read any farther. The Holy Spirit said, that's a desolate inheritance. Think about it. There are things that God has destined to do in your family that was not accomplished by the generation before you. Well, you don't know my family, you know, all the, all the men are alcoholics, desolate inheritance. Maybe the men were destined to be 
real nurturing fathers. It's just that they never stepped into who they were called to be, desolate inheritance. So you can be the first. You can shift it. So there are things that God has called you to restore, things that he has called to be reassigned in your life. And, And there's a process for that because we say we could preach it and I could preach it this way because when Jesus came, it's the time of favor. Everybody say the time of favor. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, you've heard it said, in the time of my favor, I will answer you. But I tell you, now is the time of favor. Everybody say, it's now is the time of favor. <laughs> Isn't that a good sermon? Does it start to get you like, nah. But what, what, how do I get from where I am to the time of my favor? We have to listen to what happened to Isaiah. And Isaiah tells, uses his story to give us a pattern for how we can get to the moment where we find our time of favor and we see broken stuff restored, we see lost stuff found, and we see bound stuff set free. And how many people wanna see that happen? How many wanna see people set free around you? How many wanna see things that are lost get found? How many, and here's how you do it. Isaiah starts, and I had this whole thing memorized, so I'll try to riff through it a little bit, but I'll go through it step by step. It's just expository, I call it, they would call this expository sermon, I just call it riffing, okay? I'm just gonna talk about the scripture here. Isaiah starts with this. Hear me, O distant island. See me, O distant nation. Before I was formed in my mother's womb, God called me to be a prophet to the nations. He starts out making a declaration and looking literally, literally standing at the seashore, looking into his future and speaking to his future saying, here I come. How many people uh, played sports uh, and when you were younger or you try to play them now still, okay. (laughs) You know the best athletes, you know those those best athletes, especially if they're from Philadelphia, they're trash talkers, right? Because you know, you can't just shoot the three-pointer and say, you gotta shoot the three-pointer and say, like that, right? You gotta do it with attitude, you know? And, and Isaiah, it sounds like he's trash talking. Hear me, O distant island. See me, O distant nation. Before I was formed in my mother's womb, the Lord called me to be a prophet. I encourage you not to go around and make an Instagram or a YouTube live and tell everybody there's enough people out there that proclaim to be prophets to the nations right now. I'm not sure if we need any more. God's still raising them up, but he's doing it in places where nobody sees them. He's not saying it to his congregation. He's not saying it to his audience. He's not saying it to create a platform. He's not trash talking. He's truth talking. There's a difference because there's enough trash talk in the world, isn't there? So just open up, don't open it up now, but just open up social media and, and, and it's trash talk. It's all trash talk and we need to truth talk because you need to look, you need to, and this is important because what we get to next, we realize that Isaiah's not feeling great right now. He's not standing there on the seashore be, and, and proclaiming these things because he's got an audience to talk to. He's not saying this because the kings are asking his advice. He's not saying this because the heavens are open and he's ascending like Isaiah chapter six up into the third heavens and the, and the temple's shouting and the seraphim's hitting him with, no, he's, he's saying right now, hear me, O distant islands, I'm coming for you. There's a place that I haven't been that I'm coming. There's, a, there's an audience that hasn't heard me that, I'm, that I'm, I'm speaking to right now. He's talking to the future and there's sometimes you just have to get up in the morning 
when you hear the trash talk come into your head. Like here, it's another day, another day. It's gonna be like this. Or when you just open up your, your Apple News and it talks about Delta and it's not the airline. <laughs> I'm about to get on Delta tomorrow. And I'm just saying, like, I don't, I don't want to agree with the trash talk. I'm not saying I shouldn't be prepared. I'm not saying I shouldn't know, but I'm just saying that Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it except for the Delta variant. And sometimes what we have to do is we have to stop listening to the trash talk and we have to start truth talking. And what's the difference between truth talking and, and you know, confess it, possess it, bat, blab it, grab it? I'm glad you asked that. Because some of us have problems with that. But let me just tell you something. The kingdom of God is voice activated. Nothing happens unless it's spoken. Just make it practical. I have a uh, um, um, an incredible online community and I have some students that I, I just do one-on-one -on -one talks with once a month and one of them's a business guy. I won't go into his details but he's in a certain sector of finances and we're talking about this topic and we're talking about speaking your future and speaking to things and, and he said, what's the difference between that? And confess it, possess it, blab it, grab it. I said, it's all about relationship because he's talking relationally before I was formed in my mother's room you knew me, and I'm just saying what you say about me. You called me to be a prophet to them. I didn't call myself. If you had to call yourself, you probably just aren't. I'm just saying, like, I don't call myself that. I don't call myself any. I call myself Bob. Seriously, like, I tried to change my name to Robert, like, around 10 years ago. It was very popular. James Gall used to be Jim Gall. I don't know if you know who James Gall is. And there's a lady, Patricia, Patricia King. She used to be, her name was Pat. And it was just a thing, like prophetic people were like God. It was a sign, like God's doing something, giving people new names. And so I thought, it was just when I was starting to travel, it was maybe even longer, maybe 15, 20 years ago. And I thought, oh, maybe this is a good time. Nobody knows me as Bob. I can just be Robert Hazlett, right? And so I, a couple places I went, I started to say my Robert Hazlett, and I put it on some of my uh, early stuff. It was definitely over 20 years ago, because I remember the first place I went, they, they called me Robert. Somebody called me Robert. I'm like, what? And like, I just was calling your name. I'm like, oh, sorry, that's what my mom called me when I was bad. <laughs> so I realized Robert's a trigger for me, so I went back to Bob, because I... <laughs> I didn't want to be the angry prophet. They told me you can't be angry prophet until, you, until after you're 60. So <laughs> that's what they told me. You have to be happy. So, so you got to speak the truth. I, I was talk, when I was talking to my, my friend on the phone, I was telling you about, we were talking about this and we were relating it to his business. And I'm like, you know, you have certain clients and you have certain goals you have to set. And, and I said, do you realize that what you pray over yourself, God hears. And so we set some goals for what he wanted to see happen in the next season, and we, got, we set some scriptures for what would line up with those goals because the scripture is what God has already said. And Isaiah is just saying what God already said about him. And so you gotta, you gotta stop the trash talk and you gotta start the truth talk. Turn to somebody and say, stop trash talking. <laughs> start truth talking. It sounds really good because he's, he's, really, he's really talking about what God called him to do. But then 
the next thing is he starts talking about how God crafts him, how God forms him. He said, and he made me a sharpened arrow. He polished me. He sharpened me. I am shiny and I am ready to shoot. <laughs> how many feel like that? Like, man, I've been prepared. I sharp and I'm ready. I'm shiny and you can shoot me, Jesus. Come on, shoot me to the nations. Come on, shoot me to that spouse I'm waiting for. I've been waiting. I'm, I'm shiny and I'm sharp. Come on, honey. Come to me. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. He who finds a husband finds a good thing. But he says, you made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of your hand, you hid me. You made me into a polished arrow, and you concealed me in your quiver. What? Why would you sharpen an arrow and polish it, make it all shiny, ready to shoot, and then you put it away? You shut it down. Has anybody felt like that? God gave me a promise. He prepared me, and he put me away. That's how Isaiah felt. This is Isaiah's story. How do you get to your time of favor? You get shined up, you get sharpened, and then you get shut down. <laughs> Good sermon right there. <laughs> Why? Because you need to be made ready. You need to be made ready. You don't want people to see you before you're ready. I had a friend that we had this conversation once, and, and he was all like, he would always try to, run after people, run to the green room, get to know somebody. He's like, I, I feel, he asked me for a friend's phone number. I'm like, I don't want to give you that person. He knew I had spoken at a conference with this person. He's like, can you give me their phone number? I really need to meet them. I'm like, here's my philosophy. If I'm supposed to meet someone, they're going to come to me. That's my philosophy. He's like, well, I don't, I think, I just open up doors. And I, we argued, it's like, it's the difference between an evangelist. They just kick open the doors. They think every, and Robbie will say this too, but it wasn't Robbie I was talking to. I just expect every door to open for me. I'm not, I'm prophesying to that door before it opens. I am not gonna bash my head against that thing until it breaks. I'm gonna prophesy and say open. If it doesn't open, I'm gonna go to another door. That's just a different perspective, but here's, my, here's the way I think. If I'm supposed to meet someone at a certain season in my life, and I'm supposed to be something for them, if I force myself to be seen here and I'm not this person, they're gonna identify me as this. They're gonna always see me as, they're gonna see me as this Bob. If I was supposed to meet them in 2022 and I opened a door for myself in 2012, guess what? It's gonna be difficult for them to redefine me here. But if I let God sharpen me, and I let God shine me up, and then I let God set me aside, I don't want to say shut down, let's set me aside, guess what? I'm still sharp, I'm still shiny, still ready, still good, and it's time, guess what? Now that person doesn't look at me like that snotty nose, upstart kid trying to get attention. He see, they see me as a mature son. They see me as a gifted individual. They see me as someone that's trustworthy. It's much better to be discovered than it is to reveal yourself before you're ready. I know it's super anti-millennial generation, but <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm a Gen Xer. I'm used to being in the house by myself. Right? I'm just saying like, we, we never got any attention. We're okay with it. Uh, but how much better if you let God prepare you. And you, you know it's painful,
but the pain is part of the process. And he expresses the pain. But I have said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. Do you understand what it is to, to set yourself to, God, sharpen me. God, polish me. God, get me ready. And you think you're ready, and you're not released. There's almost nothing more painful than being ready and not released. He's like, it's like a woman that's in labor. And he's in tough territory here, and I'm in tough territory here because I'm a man talking about a woman in labor, you know? All I've done is seen that. <laughs> My wife did two without any medicine, and I'm just like, when I get sick, I'm like, give me all the, me- I don't care what kind of drugs you have, give me the drugs. My wife's like, give me a stick, I'll bite on it, I'll birth out a baby. I'm like, okay. But you know the period of, of, of pregnancy I dislike the most? It wasn't the food, I talked about that today. It's what's called Braxton Hicks. I don't even know what that is, Braxton Hicks. But I do know it's like a month of no sleep for me. <laughs> I've labored in vain. I spent my strength for nothing at all. That's what I felt for a month of Braxton Hicks. That, I'm just telling you, this is my story. When my wife's here, she can tell you her story. This is my story of birthing a baby, okay? It's. You take the classes, you do the breathing, and you're in bed at night, and you're sleeping really good, and your wife taps you and says, honey, it's time. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's time? Breathe, breathe, breathe. (laughs) You're looking at your watch, you're getting hyperventilation, and then over on the side you hear this. You can't sleep the rest of your night because you have cortisol flowing through your system. <laughs> I spent my strength for nothing at all. <laughs> Labored in vain. Almost a month of that. It's time. <laughs> then one night, it's time. All right. It's time. All right. It's time! <laughs> it's either time for the priest in the holy water, deliverance ministry, one or the other, or the baby's coming. One or the other, even demon, <laughs> either a demon or a baby is coming out at that point. Because you know when it's time, ladies. You know the difference, right? We don't know. We're trying to trust you. And, and you, you get to that point when you're like, it's, it is, can I just say this here? It's freaking time. <laughs> my wife doesn't like that word. I'm saying all this stuff my wife doesn't like because she's not here. Like, when are you freaking good? Like, sometimes you just have to put that little Christian expletive in there. <laughs> I spent my freaking strength for nothing at all. <laughs> but then he comes in. I'm so sorry, kids. Don't do that to your parents. You can't use that word at home. Just, but what is due me Listen, listen, what is due me is in the Lord's hands. You see, he he didn't polish you up and make you pointy just to put you away. He's preparing you. What's due me is in the Lord's hand. Turn to somebody and say, something's due you. It's due you. Now that sounds, now now we're getting word of faith now. Oh no, I don't know, I I can't say that. God doesn't owe me anything. He said it, not me. What's due me is in the Lord's hand. 
God's got something in his hand he wants to give me, and I'm going, ah, I spent my strength in vain. I said, not labor for nothing at all. He's like, um, hello. In fact, the key to this is in the metaphor, because he says, you have sharpened me like an arrow. You've polished me and put me in your quiver. I spent my strength in vain, I labor for nothing. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand. What's in the Lord's hand? The arrow. You're the arrow. You're in the Lord's hand. What's due you? What's due you is you. I'm not trying to get something from him. I'm trying to become something with him. What's due me is a new Bob. What's due me is a polished Bob. What's due me is a pointy Bob. What's due me, I'm an arrow. And even if you look at the language of, in the time of my favor, I will answer you. In the day of salvation, I will help you. I will make you to be a covenant for the people. It's actually archery language, if you study it out. He's actually saying, when an archer takes an arrow, he has to, in the time of my favor, I will answer you. The word answer is to see you, to hold you. An archer, when he takes an arrow, he pulls it back. It's called the draw, and the draw is the place of greatest tension, but it's also the place of greatest closeness to the face of the archer and the eye of the archer. You with me? What is due me is in the Lord's hand. I'm in his hand, and right now I'm under a lot of tension, but he's close to me. I can feel the tension like I'm about to break, but what I'm about to do is be released because the place of the greatest tension is the place of the greatest release and acceleration. You gotta get under tension before you can be released. You gotta get under tension before you can get acceleration. You gotta get under tension. What is due me is in the Lord's hand. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. In the day of salvation, I will help you. That word help is to hold and to steady. That's the aim. That means that the reason God is holding you is not to hold you back. He's holding you to get you exactly to the right place. You didn't take a step backward. You're getting ready to be released forward, Mr. Millersville. You didn't take a step backwards. You're getting ready to be released forward. You needed to be pulled back and be pointed in the right direction so that when you're released, you hit your target. It feels uncomfortable, yes, but so does, well, I don't wanna go back to the birthing the baby because I really can't relate to it, so let's go back to archery. In the day of salvation, I will help you and I will keep you and I will make you, and that word make is to be released. You are released, I will release you. In the day of favor, I will release you. In the time of favor, I will release you. And there is something that God is waiting for us to do. There's something that he's waiting for us to do. Stop trash talking, start truth talking. Get a hold of some of your old promises. Do I have to say it again from this morning? 10 and two, thank you Lord for 20 years of promises fulfilled and thank you for the next 20 years of promises. Whatever you have to do, get a scripture for your family. Get a scripture for your marriage. Get a scripture for your, for your finances. Get a scripture for your business. Get a scripture for your ministry. Get a scripture and if all you can do is pray the scripture, pray the scripture because the kingdom is voice activated. And if you don't have a word from the Lord, get a word from the Lord. I know it's an iPhone, but it's a Bible for me too, because you need to find what the Lord has said about you. And Isaiah said, hear me, before I was born, he made me a prophet. I may not be one now. 
I may just be a pointy, polished arrow, but I'm about to be a prophet. What is it that God's called you to do? What is it that he's making you into? You have to be the prophetic word of your own life. Instead of saying, I've spent my strength in vain, I've labored for nothing at all. Stop looking at the quiver that you've been hidden in. Stop looking at the place of your preparation and start looking at the place of the Lord's hand where he, it, where you are, because you are what is due you. You are what is due him. Your reward is with him. It's in his hand. You're in his hand. You see, if, if the scripture says it this way, the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain, right? You could say it this way. If you build yourself a platform, you've got to maintain it. If you build yourself a ministry, you've got to maintain it. If you build yourself a reputation, you've got to defend it. But if you make yourself a, of no reputation like Jesus, then he can give you the name above every other name, which means that if I don't try to make myself of reputation, I give it to him. It doesn't matter if you trash talk me because he already truth talked me before you tra trash talked me. Before you besmirch my reputation, before you threatened me, before you tried to take me out, before that, he already spoke truth over me. That's where I'm standing on. It's good preaching. You guys better take notes. It's good preaching. <laughs> all I'm doing is preaching my whole life to you. That's all I'm doing, and I'm saying it's truth. So now there's a time, and there's something that has to be done in that moment. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. In the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you to make you to be a covenant for the people. Everybody say people. Your promise isn't about your platform, it's about your people. Maybe that's why you're so frustrated. I'm so ready, I'm so polished, I'm so pointy, nobody sees me. That's because you're doing it to be pointy and polished. You're not doing it for people. For the people. Say, I have a people. You do, you have a people. Maybe your people are single moms. Maybe your people, like my little friend there, my new friend, are kids that are gonna need help in getting educated. Your people. Your promise has a people. Your promise has a people. When you find your people, you're getting ready to be released to your promise. Then he says, I'll make you the covenant for the people to restore the land, to reassign Desolate inheritances to save the captives come out. Those in darkness be free. Think about it. Everything that Isaiah went through, he was going to release into other people. He felt like he was held back. He felt like he wasn't getting his reward. He felt like he had promises that were unfulfilled. And he said, I'll make you to be a covenant for the people. That means that your preparation is making you into not just the messenger, but the message. 
because the messenger has to become the message. You're becoming a message for people that need the same message. That's why you're going through. You might, you might be like, what are you trying to do? You're trying to kill me? Not really, but mm, I'm trying to resurrect you, and you just have to die before you're resurrected. That's, that's just part of the process. Because there's a people that are going through what, you, what you've been through to prepare you is what you're going to release into the people that he's called you to. So sometimes your marriage goes through hell so that you can bring heaven to other marriages because he's making you polished and, and pointy so that you can hit the target and you can bring freedom to captives and release those that are in darkness. I'm telling you that you're becoming the message. You're not just becoming a messenger, you're becoming the message. That's why it hurts, because when the word becomes flesh, it has to be birthed, and that's painful. But when that happens, that word becomes the light of the world. And so he is saying, in the time of my favor, I will answer you. In the day of salvation, I will help you, and I will keep you, and I'll make you to be a covenant for the people, to restore the land, to reassign desolate inheritances, to say to the captives, come out those in darkness be free. So your promise has a people that you are called to restore. Your promise has a people that you're called to reassign. Your promise has a people that you're called to release. That's why you can't just sit in the quiver and cry. That's why you can't just sit back and say, when, God, when. There's something actually that you have to do. Faith takes action. Faith takes a step. Isaiah's first step was to go speak to those islands. His second step was declare. He got through his whining, and he have, sometimes you have to, to lay out the case and then say, but what is due me is in the Lord's hand. And then begin to declare in the time of favor. And that's when we come to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Ask the keyboard player to come up. I'm going to wrap this up here in a second. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul's, he's referring to Isaiah 49. And he said, as God's co-workers, I urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of favor, I have heard you. In the day of salvation, I have helped you. But I tell you now is the time of God's favor. Now or today is the day of salvation. That tells me a couple things. That the time, your timing is connected to the grace that you receive. And grace is a supernatural enablement of God to do what you could not do, which means what you're called to do, you can't do on your own. You need the supernatural enablement of God to bring you to that moment. Do not receive God's grace in vain. What if God's giving you grace to see your marriage healed? What if he's given you grace to see your business move forward or to start that new business? What if he's given you grace? Let me, let me point the finger at me. What if he's given me grace to touch my region and I'm like, oh God, I'm so tired. I spend my strength at all, for nothing at all. 
I've labored in vain for 20 years, 30 years, New England, 30 years. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand. You can, you can, the second thing is you can receive grace in vain because he says, I urge you, do not receive grace in vain. I spent my strength for nothing at all. I've labored in vain. Which means grace needs laboring. I have to co-labor with grace. So we, we didn't get to do our monthly meetings in 2020 and then my motorcycle accident, my shoulder surgery, had to cancel 10, 10 events from September and my last event was of 2020 was here. And I didn't go back out till January and I didn't feel good enough to go out. And I'm still slightly recovering, but I'm you know, getting there. It's the healing, the journey is heal, a healing journey, right? Um, so because of the shutdown, we didn't know what to do and I had a group of advisors. I was talking with them and they said, why don't you just start like a, a, an online webinar and, and gather people from your region. And so we did, and we started these Tuesday night webinars and people started gathering. Of course, everybody, well, this April was when we started, everybody wasn't on the internet anymore as much as they were during the shutdown, but we have a great community that joins online, but about a third of them are from our area. And the numbers grew over a, a six week period of time. And they said, we really think like, it's time for you to start uh, like monthly meetings. And so I was praying about it and my wife and I had a particular city in mind. We felt like the Lord was targeting, and, and it was called Fairfield, Fairfield, Connecticut. It's the um, county seat, Fairfield County, which is called the gateway to, connect to New England. It's the gateway from New York to New England, and we're about an hour from New York and, and two hours from Boston. And so it was prophetic. So I wanted to go down and, and have my parents pray for me. I drove down to Pennsylvania, and... I wanted to have my parents just lay hands on me, pray for me, bless me, because this was a big risk we were taking. It was, it was a time. It was a fullness of time moment. Remember this morning, Isaiah, uh, 44 Galatians 4.4? 4. And my parents, I wish I had the picture, but I don't have it back there. They showed me some pictures when I was a kid. When I was about seven years old, they gave me for Christmas a football uniform. And it was a New England Patriots uniform. We were Eagles fans, but I had a New England. Somebody was wearing a Tom Brady I won't hold that against you. Anyway, so, um, and it was a number 44 on it. And I'm like, what is this? They're like, it was just on sale. Well, your brother got a, a Colts uniform. <laughs> we weren't Colts fans either. It's just, it was what was cheap. They probably got it at Goodwill because that's where most of my clothes came from when I was growing up. Now Goodwill's cool. My, my girls love to go to Goodwill. They're like, we're going to go picking. Where, what do you mean? What's picking? It's getting used clothes at Goodwill. I'm like, I don't know. I call that trauma. <laughs> I call that getting bullied at school because everybody has Chuck, you know, those numbers, Chuck Taylors, and I had, they called them Bobos. <laughs> Kmart, Kmart Blue Light Specials, that's what I had to wear. That's why I'm trying to be a little extra with these sneakers tonight. Still healing from the trauma of my Kmart Blue Light sneakers. <laughs> I don't know why I get into these ramblings, but I'm there, I'm already there, too late, we're here, stay with me. So I got this picture, number 44, I take it home. I'm driving home and, I, and I'm on the phone with my wife, crossover from New York to Connecticut, about an hour from home. I call my wife, say, I'm about an hour away. We're talking, we're talking. I'm telling her the story about the football uniform and the New England Patriots. Seven years old, I am mantled for New England with my life scripture, the fullness of time. I'm just telling you, strange things happen. 
So I tell my wife the story, and I pass by this construction sign. It says 11 miles to exit 44. And I'm like, oh, how coincidental. I'm almost to exit 44. I said, wouldn't that be crazy if it's Fairfield, that city we're thinking about going to? And I get there, and she's like, I gotta stay on the phone until we get there. And we're, it was gonna be so disappointing if it didn't work out, right? And we get, I get to the exit, and here's what it says, exit 44, Fairfield, and underneath it says Redding, R-E-D-D-I-N-G. That's the same way that they spell Redding in California. And it's the town the opposite direction from Fairfield. And what you don't know part of the story is we spent two years praying about moving to Redding. We had talked in discussion with their leadership about putting our ministry base in Redding. And we love the heart of what's going on there. But God said, no, I called you to New England. And it was a tough decision for two years. And God's like, you can have both. It's a sign, it's a symbol, but I'm just saying this is the way God talks to me. So my wife drove, drive down the next day. To, we drive down to this city and we end up at this theater. We're looking at it, it's so cool. It's like a warehouse and it's very cool lighting sound, but there's no way we can, we can afford that. So we forget about it. Go home a week later, talk to our advisors and they're like, yeah, you need to start monthly meetings. You guys are, we really feel like the Lord's in this and you need to do it. We said, okay. So I texted one of my board members he goes, that's crazy, but I couldn't sleep last night. I had a dream, and so I was up searching for properties. You said you were looking at Fairfield, and I found this theater. And I'm like, ooh, could you send it to me? Sends me the link. It's the same place. So I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if we can afford this. So, because it's professional lighting, professional sound. But the Bible says that Jesus looked at the multitude and saw them as sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them. And if you see the people the way God sees them, you're like, God, you've got to build your church. So I said, let's just pray about it. Two hours later, I get a text. The Lord put you on my heart. What are you doing? Like, are you guys doing a project? So something I texted him, yeah, I'd love to talk to you about it. Called the gentleman, said, yeah, this is what we're doing. He's like, all right, I want to sponsor it for the first three months. What? Yeah, I'm sponsored for the first three months. We sold it out in the first week. And then, you know the rest of the story. And what I believe is this. If the Lord builds the house, those who build, or if the Lord doesn't build the house, those who build it labor in vain. But if the Lord builds the house, it's kind of like, I'm just going on for the ride. What's, what is, you're about to say, what the heck's going on? That's what you're about to say. Like, God, I've waited, waited so long. Now you're gonna say, what is going on? It's called, you're in your time of favor. Okay, stand up with me. Stand up with me. You are being pulled back. You've already been polished. You've already been pointy. You're being pulled back, and it feels like tension. And it feels like you don't have the strength. That's because... It's not your strength that's gonna release you, it's his strength. You just have to give him permission to release you. Give him permission to release you. How do you do that? With your words, stop trash talks, stop trash talking, start truth talking. Let's make this super practical. My wife, for seven years, struggled with fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, three different medications every day. One day, 
June 28th, 1997, Pensacola, Florida, God healed her. She got up the floor, pain-free, medication-free, never happened again, not completely healed, right? <clears throat> I felt like the Lord said, there's some people here that literally what you've been through has started to affect you physically so badly. It's almost like your weariness is in your bones. If anybody, is anybody here struggling with fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome? Just raise your hand. I feel like the Lord, I'm telling you, this is, this is now is your time. Today is your day of salvation. I want, I want you to come front. I really feel like there's grace on this right now. There's a grace being released. I want you to come. We're gonna pray for release. There's one, there's another thing is I felt like there's um, someone with a deterioration in your, uh, I think it's your right hip. Who's that? Who's that? Do you hear your, uh, your right hip? Is, okay, come on up, come on up. Um, I, I feel like there's someone that's um, over on the left side here. You have um, like, um, it, it's in your feminine uh, places, you know, fiber, fiber grows in your feminine places. God wants to heal you, touch you. Who's that? Just, just, just raise a hand. We're gonna pray for you. Uh, you God's, God's even healing uh, infertility tonight, so we're going to pray. All right, but if, uh, those of you, um, you're struggling, ma'am, with chronic fatigue, okay? Who else? Raise your hand, okay. I want you to lift a hand toward, in fact, the prayer, those that are on the prayer team, just come and stand behind them. And all over this place, I want you to do this. I want you to, um, I want you to register right now in your body what you're feeling. Any pain? Because we're going to pray right now. And God's going to touch you right where you are. I, I, I really feel that. We've been seeing this happen in places where we go and even where we are. God just touching people while they're worshiping God, touching people. So, Father, right now, um, I just want to declare right now over this, in the name of Jesus, we declare the name of Jesus is greater than fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome. In the name of Jesus, we declare right now, now is the time of favor. Everybody in the room, say it with me. Now is the time of favor. The word salvation means sozo. That's healing, wholeness, and completely set free and delivered. Today is the day of salvation. Say it with me. Today is the day of salvation. Say it again. Now is the time of favor. Today is the day of salvation. One more time. Now is the time of favor. Today is the day of salvation. Now, all over this room, Father, I pray right now that you begin to visit people right now in their places of pain. I declare to arthritis, listen to the word of the Lord. Today is the day of sozo. Today is the day of healing. Today is the day of the release. Today is the day of the favor of the Lord. Today is the day I command tumors to go in Jesus' name. I command right now um, someone that has like severe pain right back here in your head. It was from a blow to the head and it even affects your memory. Right back here. Who's that? Wave a hand at me. I need to see that. Right back here. Is that you, ma'am? Right now. Put your, put your hand. Who's with her? Put your hand on her right now. In the name of Jesus, we declare right now, even the hand of abuse that was raised against you is removed from you. And we declare right now is a time of favor. This is the day of salvation. And Sozo, we speak right now in Jesus' name. Any contusion, any concussion, 
Go in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. There's someone like the left side of your lung, um, you've had some uh, issue with the left side of your lung, almost like an inflammation in it, and it deflates and it inflates and it deflates and it inflates. Who's that? You have an issue with your, um, one of your lungs that, that uh, is that you, ma'am? Or are you just raising your hand worshiping God? I just need to know. You have a problem with your lung? Okay, who's that? Is that you, ma'am? Who has a problem with their lung? I just need to see it. Just wave at me. Okay, so Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just pray in the name of Jesus. I can't see everybody. So God, I thank you if there's anyone here with that lung issue right now in the name of Jesus. God, I just thank you right now. The breath of life that breathed into creation from the beginning, that your breath breathes right now in Jesus' name, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Okay, right now, if you are at a place, and this might not apply to everyone, but you could say like Isaiah, right now I am in a, in a season of time where I feel like I've spent my strength in vain. I labor for nothing at all. And today I wanna make a de declaration that what is due me is in the Lord's hand. I'm gonna put my, I'm gonna look and I'm gonna stop trash talking. I'm gonna start truth talking. I'm gonna thank God for the preparation, the polishing that he's given me, and I'm gonna believe it's coming to my time of favor. But right now, I feel like I feel like I'm in false labor and I want the real thing. If that's you, just raise a hand. Just raise your hand where you are. All right, I want you to look around you. If you see someone raising their hand, I don't want anybody to be left alone. We're gonna pray for them. So go over next to somebody who's raising their hand and I just want you to, to pray over them. We're gonna release the timing of the favor of the Lord. So Father, right now, in Jesus' name, God, I thank you for the favor of the Lord over them. I thank you right now. It is the time of favor, the day of salvation. And God, I pray that you strengthen them right now. I pray that you speak to them in the nice season. I pray for dreams from you. I pray for the heart of the Father to come into them. I pray right now for the love of the Father to come into them. Just release blessing over them. Maybe a scripture will come to your mind. Just pray that scripture over them. Just maybe you'll have a, um, a, a scripture that means something to you. Whatever pops into your head, I want you to pray that over them. I want you to release the word of the Lord. You don't have to prophesy to them, but just release a scripture over them. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Your word does not return void. 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 